Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else the, I did an interview oh, yeah. uh, you answered off the yes podium to with one, this guy. Two, or and it had never done that before. And when I hit that, all of a sudden I saw him just pause and he went like... network is now on Patreon. Did you hear that? It wasn't until I recorded with Ben a few days later. was jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you. Our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs> You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for week number two of our good horror sequel month. Choose which one of those three words you want to put in quotes. We're going to maybe choose one or multiple of those words in quotes this week as we're continuing on our tribute to A Quiet Place Part 2, which came out now two weeks ago, and I still have not seen because we still do not have theaters open here. Uh, Rossi, by any chance, have you seen A Quiet Place 2 yet? Uh, not yet. Um, who knows if I'll see it in theaters this time? Probably not. Yeah, well, 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 I mean, I'm sure by the time we finish this month, it's going to be a, on A Quiet Place Part 3 that's delayed. So uh, we're making good progress. We're two in a row. <laughs> uh, see if we can get four in a row here. But we're talking about The Strangers Pray at Night. Uh, the 10 years in the making sequel to a movie that by the time the sequel came out, everybody had forgotten the original because uh, 10 years was too long for a small horror film. Uh, but I'm excited because I'm a big fan of the first Strangers movie. And I was a big fan of the Strangers Pray at Night when I did see it a couple of years ago. Uh, and now we finally get to talk about it years later, years upon years later, three years. That's about as long as we've been planning to do good horror sequel month. Uh, but we finally have it here. My name is Colin, and what's a queef? And my name is Rossi, and is Tamara here? <laughs> there you go. We both came up with a quote. The only two quotes in this movie. <laughs> it was that or, uh, and were the kids in America? But... <laughs> I-, I was almost going to go with something along the lines of uh, having tons of filthy porno sex, but I couldn't figure out how to work it into a line. Uh, this movie, Rossi, you had not seen it. I'm guessing you'd never seen the original Strangers either. I haven't, but I, I I sort of know the idea of it, and I looked it up on Wikipedia before uh, starting this, so like okay. sort of understand it. I mean, it's a simple idea. It's <laughs> not think, like overly complicated. So yeah, and, and when we were doing this, I said to you, I'm mean, like, I like this movie, but this is gonna be the quickest episode we have. Uh, I'm going to do a count here. We are gonna attempt to get this done in 60 minutes, which I don't think should be a problem. We're gonna impose our 60 minute rule here, which sometimes we reserve for terrible movies like. Uh, the live-action Beauty and the Beast, or Santa with Muscles. In this case, just because what else are we going to talk about? This is a straight slasher movie. It is as basic as it gets. Uh, also, the original, just to fill you in for whatever Wikipedia couldn't, as basic as it could get. Uh, but what I love about both of these movies is they're a total throwback to like the classic slasher movies. You know, No gimmicks about who's the killer or anything like that. This is like the original Halloween or Friday the 13th, you know, minus some of the cheesiness that you got in the sequels. Um, are you a fan of slasher movies? Uh, not like top tier favorites kind of thing, but I think they can be fun. I, I had fun watching this, so 
It, it just oh, depends so on the movie, I guess. I completely agree. I think that there's a handful of good slash movies ever made. Most of them, it's more like, okay, if you have another person to watch it with, it's fun to sit there and mock it. But if you don't have another person to watch it with, it's incredibly boring. Uh, with the first Strangers movie, I, I remember it being out and some people talking about saying, hey, this movie's better than expected. I don't remember anybody saying, oh, this is a great movie. But people were just saying, wow, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. But for what it is, a slasher movie, it's entertaining. And it sort of had developed this cult following over the years. And the sequel was literally in the works for a decade. Uh, now, I saw the original and I was also caught off guard because I just, oh, I heard this was decent. So let me check it out. Uh, and I've sort of been waiting on the sequel for 10 years now. And I can't tell you why I really want to see the Stranger sequel. Maybe it's just because of the simplicity of these movies. Uh, I think there's some things I'm going to pinpoint here, how the scares are done differently in these movies, as opposed to the way that Halloween or Friday the 13th or, you know, any of the other scream movies uh, actually try to oppose the killings. Uh, but when this did eventually come out, um, I, I wasn't going to say I'm, it was their first weekend, but I was there within the first couple weeks. So I remember I had a vacation and I just spent my entire vacation. It was the first time I ever had a staycation, literally did nothing. I made no plans, probably because I couldn't make You were ahead of the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was doing this two, three years before the rest of you people. I I'm an expert now. Uh, but uh, the last movie I saw on the last day of my vacation was The Strangest Prey at Night because I saw that it was not going to be in theaters the next day. This is the last day it's playing. And I checked it out and I, I thought it was great. And uh, I actually had planned to do a solo review of this, which I, I look back and I still have my original graphics, which we can't use now because our logo has changed. But I still have my original graphics that I had done getting ready to do a solo review of The Strangest Prey at Night. So uh, I've sort of been waiting for this one. Of all the movies we're covering, this is the one that most fits into just it is a straight horror sequel. What I felt like was appropriate about doing this movie in this month, we're kind of doing, is it a sequel? Is it good? Is it horror? Uh, is because you don't have to have any knowledge of the original movie. Uh, if you see the original, you know, you're probably gonna be excited just to see the same movie in a different location this time and just sort of slightly different, you know, filmmaking styles for the death scenes. Uh, otherwise, you know, need to know nothing about the first movie. You, you don't even have to look at Wikipedia. I mean, you did more research than of what's required of you. So good job, Rossi. Well, I wanted to know how much of it was connected and like if there was like any anything that like ties it together. Because like I wasn't sure if it tied because like, you said sequel. So like, mm -hmm. what am I going to think that this is the most unrelated movie? Like I knew <laughs> going into Cloverfield Lane that they were related but different. Like I didn't mm -hmm. know how that applied. Yeah, and this, this one is connected only in that I think it's the same characters from the original. I think it's the same characters as the original. They're wearing similar masks. That's pretty much all I know. Uh, but uh, just uh, quick first impressions after watching. You said that it, it was enjoyable. Uh, any other first impressions? Anything that bothered you? Because I'm going to get into our first 15, 20 minutes of this movie, which I'm going to cover in record time because my issues with this movie are all the first 15, 20 minutes. I guess some of the things I was trying to look up kind of bothered me um because of what i know of the original it's that like the whole like plot of the or the whole like scary part of the movie is that it's like they did this because they could yeah like exactly what's scarier like random people just coming to kill you or like a monster and a horror like you know this mm -hmm. dramatic situation um so i feel like i lost a little bit of that identity in this like you were expecting uh, that you'd get something more out of it? Like an answer? That, like, well, in the sense that like that was a random thing. They were like, oh, people were home. Let's kill them. Yeah. This it seems like they killed the old couple and then they waited 
for this other family to stay like that just doesn't fit with the idea of like random happenstance killing Mm -hmm. so especially because their whole thing is like we're just gonna do whatever whenever they waited for this family like pray at night is the title yeah like it just seems to go a little bit against that um that was that that really was my biggest issue with the movie itself which isn't a real issue because i could just overlook it you know it's a slasher movie (laughs) there's really no such thing as big issues if you're willing to sit through 90 minutes of it then you know you get what you pay for in this case yeah i mean i get over it yeah halfway through so i was like not bothered but i was just thinking about that um but yeah i mean it, it was enjoyable i thought that it was a fun movie you know i think that it's interesting when you have the these killers who like don't monologue Mm-hmm. You know, you think of, um, like, Freddy, the Nightmare on Yeah, Freddy Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street, or like Ghostface from Scream too. Yeah, yeah, like in the, Scream. Just like sometimes I think of these like, um, like monologue characters. So like I think this was like an interesting thing, like mm-hmm. a take on you know the villains. So I, I know I enjoyed it. So the beginning of the movie where it says based on a true story, um, not at all a true story. <laughs> in fact, I think they did the same thing in the original. This has just sort of become a gimmick with horror movies over the last couple of years. I can't remember the first one. It was one of those, maybe it was one of those exorcism movies, like the exorcism of whoever that said based on a true story, even though there was no truth to it at all. Uh, with the original, the script that was written, which is the same screenwriter for both of these movies. And actually one of the things that just, uh, I'm sure maybe we'll eventually cover the first strangers movie. Uh, but the first movie, the screenwriter wasn't supposed to direct the movie at all. He'd never directed anything. The director dropped out literally the last minute. And he's like, well, we're a low budget movie. We can't hire another director. I'll just direct it myself. Uh, with this one, he's just writing. They have a new director who is experienced. Who's the guy who made uh, 47 meters down the shark movie, which I also liked the first one, not the second. Um, but the based on the true story is mostly because of the original after he wrote the script, the strangers, some people said, this is sort of similar to like the Manson family murders, just random acts of violence, you know, okay, look for a light on and then go to that house. Uh, There is no truth at all to either of these stories. This whole gimmick of based on a true story may make it scarier. It's just sort of, I'm kind of over it now, but that's not even my big issue with this. So, So the opening scene I think is great where we get the old couple who's waking up, uh, we're going to call her Mildred. Frank and Mildred are going to live on from 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, I'm sure they have names in this movie. We're just calling Frank and Mildred. So Mildred wakes up. There's a truck outside. Uh, There's, uh, as she's sort of checking it out, the audience sees. Now, this is what I was saying really works about the scares in the the Strangers movies, uh, because it's more tension than it is scares. They don't let anything jump out at you. There's maybe one or two jump scares in this entire movie. The rest of it is the audience sees something very slowly and then you just sort of let the anticipation build because the other characters don't see it and that's sort of how this first scene is introduced where you see the shadow of one of the the uh the the girls uh this was the um i don't know what do we want to call this mask uh (laughs) we're gonna have to differentiate here they have them in the wikipedia but i don't know what the difference is well i think this is the doll face and then uh because this is the long hair the one where you see her hair and then the one with the short hair is like the pinup uh, and then the, the other guy is just bag over his head or pillowcase. So we'll, we'll call this one Dollface. Okay. So Dollface just sort of jumps out and then we get the first killing scene here. Uh, and this is where the message comes on the machine of uh, the parents saying, Hey, we're going to be coming down, but we're going to be a little bit late, I think. Uh, or, or I think it might even happen after this, but we, we would assume that they check the answer machine here. Now, my issue with this movie, it, it's not even so much, this doesn't work in the movie, but the first strangers movie, what I loved about it 
is that they wasted no time setting up characters or anything. I mean, the two lead characters come home late at night and pretty much immediately they just sort of, what's that weird noise outside? You don't get any, but you sort of get this idea that there was like a, maybe that the couple had had an argument, but they don't go into details. And then it's immediately they're being stalked by these people outside their house and then inside the house and everything. So the fact that we didn't have to have the traditional movie, oh, let's set up the story is what I loved about The First Strangers. So I feel like this first 15 or 20 minutes is not what I was expecting. I don't think it's necessary. I think that you could have started this movie when they just get to the camp and then whatever exposition there is about the characters, you throw in there once they're there. Having to see them packing for their trip and you know the, the girl who I guess is going to boarding school being upset, them picking up the son and them sort of arguing in the backseat. I mean, the only good thing about this is the conversation they have where she calls him a dick and he calls her a queef. And the dad says, what's a queef? Now, Rossi, do you know what a queef is or are you going to have to Google this? No, I know. Okay. I, I, I mean, I know this only because I, I have a tendency to uh, not know some of these more inappropriate terms until somebody clues me in. And they're like, how did you not know this? Uh, it was a pr- couple of years ago where I think Jamie dropped the term queef. And I said the same thing that this dad said, what's a queef? <laughs> and she explained it to me. <laughs> so that's the only reason I know this. So otherwise I am the dad here. They go out for dinner, like all this stuff I don't need. So I'm going to be honest with you. If this were just the only strangest movie I ever saw, it probably wouldn't have bothered me. But knowing that the first one just jumped straight into it and the fact that I love that, when I showed this movie to Jamie, I've seen this movie three times now. When I showed this to Jamie, I said, I don't even want to watch the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie. We're just going to start this when they get to the camp. And that's when I started showing her the movie. Uh, And I still think there's a way to make it work in there. Uh, The only exposition that we really get is um, when the, uh, they they imply that the girl's going to boarding school, which I also think is one of the problems of this movie. I don't think we needed to know the reason why she's going because the dad says something to her about, Oh, you know, you know, there's all these problems. You're, skipping school and your grades are bad and i'm like you're sending her to a boarding school because of that i mean if they were to say listen you're about to flunk out give us some more explanation if they're going to say listen you you robbed a 7-eleven we're sending you to boarding school i get it but it just seems lame that <laughs> they're like oh your grades aren't good so boarding school it is uh i don't feel that helped at all so before we even get into all the killings and everything just the the whole family dynamic we get here uh, anything that you actually want to talk about here or can we just pretend it wasn't in the movie and pretend that this just started at the camp? Yeah, I'm okay to skip ahead. It just feels very generic, like classic nuclear family. Yeah. You know, a mom, a dad, a daughter, a son. Um, like very all-American. Like it, it just feels very cliched. Um, mm. I wasn't bothered by the story of it. Like you seem to have issues, but I, I really didn't care. Um, yeah. Like the only thing that like sticks out now is that like she said, like the girl said something early in the beat movie where she's like, uh, you'd love it so much if I was just gone or something like yeah. that. Which like holds value in a horror movie. So mm-hmm. like, that was the only thing that really like stood out. Yeah, and, and again, I don't think I would ever have a problem with this if it, I hadn't seen the first Strangers movie not do this and have it be as effective as it was. Um, but uh, basically the kids go off uh, the parents are in the cabin alone, so this is going to sort of set up the, the the killing sequence here. Although we should mention Tam Tamara is not home. Uh, <laughs> the the girl here, the the one with the doll face mask, comes to the door several times asking for Tamara. She's not home. Uh, she has the wrong house. Uh, when the the two kids eventually stumble across the aunt and uncle's cabin, I don't even think they realize it's the aunt and uncle's cabin. Now the aunt and uncle are supposed to be just running this campground, which now that it's September 
nobody's there. So and that explains why it's going to be empty uh, and how they could actually just get in there. And th- this is where they make the joke saying, where do you think they went? It's like, oh, maybe they're having a bunch of filthy porno sex or what? No, what do you think they do all winter? And then the brother says, yeah, maybe they just have a bunch of filthy porno sex. Uh, but uh, they eventually stumble across their corpses when they're in there and uh, they go off. Now the parents have no idea this is going on. Uh, eventually they're going to run into the kids and they're saying, Oh, we found uncle Mildred and uncle Frank's dead bodies in there. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? Okay. So the, the, the dad takes the son to show him where it was the daughter uh, and the mom go back to the cabin and say, go call nine one one. When they get back there, their phones are smashed. So obviously the killers are now inside and uh, it just sort of starts straight with the killings here. So I really like this opening scene for a couple of reasons. I'll say opening scene, not because I imagine that way, but just opening scene for the killings <laughs> uh, that they lock themselves in the bathroom, which there's some criticism well, with all slasher movies. There's always a criticism. Why don't you run out the front door? I mean, this movie sort of establishes they couldn't run out the front door. They go to the most logical uh, exit next and they don't just barricade themselves in there. They're immediately looking for an exit, uh, but also just the fact that they're exiting through the skylight. I mean, it felt like a, a little bit of a unique kill. And the fact that, the only really well-known actor in this movie is the mom, Christina Hendricks, who uh, I, I don't know if we've ever talked this before. I, th- I feel like I've mentioned on a past podcast and asked you the same question, but did you ever watch Mad Men? No. Okay. I, it made my top 50 favorite TV shows list and she's one of the stars of Mad Men. Uh, so, I mean, she's been nominated for several Emmys and I think she'd done a couple other movies at this point, but they chose the one famous actor in this movie to be the first one to kill off, which I thought was surprising, especially I guess coming from the first movie where really you're only dealing with two adults uh and, and the killing where she's just sort of escaping of the skylight and the stabbing it's, it's pretty gruesome uh, i actually like it uh the dad um is uh gonna come back here uh oh we should mention when they when they do come back there's uh the smiley faces that keep appearing throughout this movie and um uh, is that a thing or is that just this movie I don't remember. It's been a couple of years. I think the last time I watched The First Strangers was before I saw this new one. And I don't remember the smiley faces being a thing, but it sort of gives this playfulness. Like a lot of things with these killers that make them so creepy is how nice and cheerful they are. <laughs> uh, while being still monotone and creepy, you know, the fact that they're playing all the 80s pop songs everywhere they go, the smiley faces they draw and everything. I think that's great. Uh, the dad is out looking for the daughter in the van uh, and th- this is one of, I think, only two jump scares in this entire movie. Uh, well, I guess we'll say three. Um, but where the something hits the windshield just out of nowhere, and he crashes this thing into uh, the side of another cabin. Uh, it-, it still makes me jump every single time. But um, the cut back to the daughter here where the, the truck headlights just sort of come on to her, uh, not come on as in trying to pick her up. <laughs> the truck headlights shine onto her. Uh, again, there's just, there's a lot of really effective, just visual, uh, things they do in this movie to kind of give it like this mood. I think that more than this being a scary movie, it just looks interesting. She says to them, leave us alone, screaming it. And, uh, this is the other jump scare of the movie where she's hiding in the drain pipe. Uh, and this, I remember being like, oh, that's the best part of the entire movie where she screams, leave us alone in there. And then the, the third girl, the one that looks like the pinup girl, her head just appears out of nowhere and says, but we're just starting. Like, I love that moment there. Uh, so let's just, uh, we'll cap it off here uh, with the dad's death. He's pinned behind the wheel as, I don't know, a giant wooden beam has now <laughs> gone straight through his torso. 
And the male guy, the male man, but the male killer, what are we calling him? Baghead? Let's call him Baghead. Baghead, (laughs) Baghead, the mailman here, (laughs) uh, just casually sits in the side of the the, the passenger seat, which is great, Uh, adjusts the radio, of course, putting on some 80s music, pulls out a screwdriver. Again, everything's very slow in this movie. Like, they let the audience just sort of think, something's going to happen, I'm just waiting for it, and then he just starts killing the dad with the screwdriver. Uh, And uh, we'll, we'll kind of stop it there if you have any comments before we move on. It's just a lot of killing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the slow scenes. Like there was the scene where he was in the car and like you see the sun leave and then in the background he's there and then he walks away. Yeah. And like, it's just, they love the long shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like scenes take place with one shot, like 10 minutes at a time. And it's like really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um and so like that was a long shot where it was like he was just there and then he had the fades of the background and then you cut an angle and then he just shows up, enters the car, turns the radio on and they just sit there. Like, it's just like interesting mm-hmm. how they do things. I thought it was cool. I mean, my favorite scene is yet to come, but like, I think, I think the the scenes are pretty cool the way that, I think that sense of new director kind of, or director? Yeah. Yeah, director like has come in. Like I see, I see a full effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. We may even be able to cover the rest of the movie just in one shot here. <laughs> this is uh, not a lot of talking or anything, but uh, the girl is um, in there. They have names, don't they? What are their names? Who are they? Who? The kids. <laughs> I'm calling them oh, girl wrote, and boy or daughter. Mom, dad, girl, boy. <laughs> My notes are all mom, dad, daughter, son. Uh, girl, boy would have been easier. Uh, Kinsey is the girl and Luke is the um, the boy here. Okay, so girl a.k.a. Kinsey, uh, is hiding in a cabin, one of the many cabins she hides in this movie, and you just sort of hear this squeaking uh, kid's toy in the background. She goes into the room, and there's a jack-in-the-box there. Uh, And again, you could just leave it as the jack-in-the-box scare, and then your typical horror movie would just sort of be like, oh, that's all it was, and then she gets relaxed. But nobody relaxed in this movie. Uh, The other girl suddenly appears out of nowhere. Uh, This is, I think, the the doll one, the doll face one. Uh, And the brother comes in here, Luke, uh, he finds her and he's got the gun that um, uh, I can't remember if the dad gave him a gun or if they found it in the uncle aunt's cabin, but uh, he's got a gun. And this is, I think the, the one part where people are going to say, Oh, this is a typical horror movie thing. But again, I kind of understand the way this is presented here. So he's got the gun aimed on her. And again, there is nothing that's creepier in this movie than the fact that he says, well, he's pointing a gun at her, drop the knife. And she does it and then just keeps walking towards him. And she just sort of casually asks, are you going to shoot me? <laughs> it's just, it's great that the way that these characters don't, they're like, we don't care if you kill us. We you know we're just doing it because we can. Right. Uh, but he doesn't pull the trigger, which is, I think going to set up uh, the end of this movie. Now these movies are always gonna be like, Oh, why didn't you kill them? But like, this is what a 17, they're saying he's about to go to college. So he's what a 17 year old kid. I kind of understand him not, killing somebody i mean at this point he doesn't realize how dangerous these people are he's seeing what looks like you know a young girl maybe in her 20s he's probably not thinking hey i'm gonna die if i don't kill her right now he's probably thinking let's get away so i don't know are you are you on board with hey you should just kill anybody because it's a horror movie or if this is you in real life are you pulling the trigger are you are you willing to commit to murder so quickly rossi i think if it's believable in character whatever that is works yeah like i think we still haven't talked about this movie, but I keep I reference it. Like, ready or not. Oh, yeah. Like, her build 
to kill mm-hmm. is slow. It is not like she doesn't face tragedy and then jump into action. Yeah. And I feel like that's the same here. Mm-hmm. Like he kills the other one out of need. Like he mm-hmm. has no choice. Like so. And, and he also learned from his same. mistake too. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think that the, it works. Like sometimes, yes. I, watching it, you're like, come on, just, just do it. You're that's a smart decision to make. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously if you, you were in that situation, who knows what would happen? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm probably dead if I'm in one of these horror movies. Cause I don't think I'm going to kill somebody. I mean, if, if well, I'm like boy here you faster than Jamie. So <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's the first one to die. <laughs> oh she's gonna love hearing this episode uh they do escape though so again i guess the argument could be made he didn't need to kill her they got away here uh and as he's trying to mend the girl's wound here uh by ripping her shirt i I love that they put the gun down on a book and i don't know if you caught what the book's called no i didn't the book that they put it down on is called a stranger is watching uh which we, we got to start keeping track in horror movies, all the little visual gags. Like what was that cannibal uh, cannibal airline hostesses or something last week? Cannibal stewardesses. I can't remember in uh, Cloverfield. Now we got the stranger is watching, but um, uh, there, there's a very quiet scene here. Now this is, you know, the only part, I, I guess now we have three jump scares in the movie where they're just quietly saying, you know, okay, we got to have a plan. We got to get to, you know, the, the main office, we got to get to a landline phone and, they're sort of calming down. He's sort of comforting his sister and everything who's freaking out saying, oh, this is all my fault. And then the truck just crashes straight into the living room, which again, the the, the jump scares they have in this movie are very effective, but I think they're partly effective because we do have a lot of those slow scenes like in the truck that you mentioned. They sort of escape again out of this cabin. Now, he, uh, boy leaves girl underneath the porch because she can't run very fast. So she's Jamie here. <laughs> and he goes to the main office. And um, uh, he does get somebody on the line uh, calling 911. And of course, he has a, a brain fart here. Where are you? Oh, what's the name of this place? It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, and as soon as he remembers, he realizes the phone went dead. Now, I, I mean, did, did they not think to cut the phone lines beforehand? <laughs> I, I'm sure they're not, these aren't the type of killers who planned everything meticulously. Again, they just sort of think, yeah, if, if we can kill somebody, great. If not, oh well. But uh, I don't know. They just, how do they know he's on the phone here? Are they not, there's three of them, maybe one of them is inside. I don't know. Uh, but this is what I'm going to assume. I'm, I'm going to hope is your favorite part of the movie. Cause it's my favorite scene too. The, the, the total eclipse of the heart. Is that the pool? Yeah. The pool scene. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is what I always remember about the movie. I think this, there's every time I watch this movie, I feel like for the first two thirds, everything up until now, I'm sort of like, yeah, this is good. It's generic. And I, I always, I'm struggling to remember what was it that I really enjoyed about this movie so much the first time I saw it. And then it gets to the pool scene and I just, I get it. Everything is done so right here. Also the slush puppy machine. I have to ask you about this. Uh, the, the little creepy, let's just add on to the creepy pop music and the soft voices and everything. Let's have the slush puppy machine come on with the little kids music here. Uh, do they have slush puppies down there? I mean, I assume this is American movie, but do you have them? Have you ever had one? Slush I don't know what that is. You don't like, know? I know what a, I know what a slushy is, but I've no slush puppy. I don't know. I mean, is is this okay? So I don't. Know, maybe the terms are different here. Is a slushy like what you get at Seven Eleven? You can get a Coke or a Sprite slushy. I mean, the Slurpees so. are what we call them. So oh, slu- slush puppy is a cross between a Slurpee and a snow cone. So it's basically like you know, I guess a little bit more coarse ice. 
Uh, and then it's more of like a, you know, Kool-Aid like flavor or whatever, but slush puppies are great. Uh, so I was glad to see a slush puppy in here. As Rossi is Googling slush puppies to see if he's ever had one <laughs> or he's checking his email. I don't know. <laughs> are you looking up slush puppies? Well, I'm looking up sl slurpy versus slushy. What's the difference? <laughs> All right, you get back to us on that when we uh, break for comments. We'll, we'll, we'll prod probably stop at the pool scene here just so we could talk about it. Uh, so after this, we actually do get the best part of the movie, which is the oh, pool there's scene. there's synonyms. So, so it's the same thing. Slushy exactly. and Slurpee are the same. There we go. Okay. So Slush Puppy, slightly different from a Slurpee. I will say Slurpee meets Snow Cone. Uh, but they're great. Pick oh, one up Slurpee's if you can. flavored with syrup, whereas a slushy is just the frozen drink with ice. Yeah. Uh, that that would make sense, yeah. I, I will say slush puppies, like, I, I didn't move into the big city uh, until I was, like, eight. Uh, I was living in, like, tiny, tiny towns and even a farm uh, before that. And slush puppies are very big out of town. So I think that's, I don't know, that may even be a small detail here because whenever we've gone camping or been driving and we stop in a small town, they always have these slush puppy machines. Uh, and I know of, like, one place in the city here that has one. So maybe it's just more popular outside the city for some reason. Uh, but pool scene here. Uh, they have totally clips of the heart playing, which uh, sometimes, you know, you know a song and then you see it in a movie and it just always changes your opinion of it. I never hear totally clips of the heart now and don't kind of get creeped out because of this scene. So this scene uh, will forever have the song totally clips of the heart uh, ingrained in my mind because of it. But the way this pool fight is done with boy here and the girl uh, with the uh, ax and everything and, um, Sorry, I'm swatting mosquitoes out from in front of my face. Mosquitoes grow indoors now, apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh, he does actually, you say he kills somebody here. So he stabs her uh, after he almost hesitates to take off her mask. Now, I'm glad they didn't take off the mask here because if they had just gone all the way, of, even just tease it anymore, where he's like, oh, should I, shouldn't I? He almost takes off the mask and then she springs to life and he just stabs her. Uh, it would make audiences, especially ones who hadn't seen The First Strangers, think, well, who's going to be under the mask? Is it going to be the sister? Is it going to be the mom? Is it going to be the aunt? Uh, that's not what these movies are about. Uh, I, I like that they don't really bother to take the mask off here. Uh, but then comes the great part about the, the pool fight where uh, potato sack mailman comes in and we get an axe fight, uh, which is done underwater. And the way that you have every time they get submerged underwater, the sound gets muffled. And then they'll pop back up again. You hear the song more is fantastic. The, the, the slow, you know, pull yourself out of the pool is great. You know, being stabbed in the back, uh, the slowly drowning part where, you know, the boy is just sort of going down and he, he, he's treading water, I guess. And he just keeps going under more and more and more and just bobbing his head. And then out of nowhere, girl comes and pulls him free. Uh, this is like a perfect scene. I, I think after I saw this movie, my thought was I saw a generic horror movie or slasher movie, but I saw one sequence, which is like the citizen Kane scene of, uh, of a horror slasher movie. Like everything is done so expertly in the scene. It's the best part of the movie. Uh, anything you want to talk about up to the pool scene? Okay. Yeah. I just thought it was really good. Uh, sorry. I thought it was really good. Um, like the camera, like fit at the end, like it fades in and out of the water. Yeah. And at the end of the scene, like, there's silence, um, which I don't know if you notice because you tend to ignore silence in, in certain <laughs> movies, like A Quiet Place. Um, did you notice that there were two deaf characters in this movie? <laughs> yeah. 
only two which ones i'm gonna have to guess <laughs> but uh yeah i just thought it was really good and it felt actiony but it didn't feel like you know superhero combat it, mm-hmm. it had like like good character like um good guy like does good bad guy does bad like it just had mm-hmm. a good back and forth um and i like i wasn't sure how it was going to end like that that was like the genuinely the thing that was most interesting is i didn't know like okay yeah he killed the one but then the other guy shows up like mm-hmm. that looks like he looks like he could get killed so it's just like i didn't know and everything i thought it worked out it was a fun scene now the big climax here uh where girl goes to try to find help while leaving the brother there who's barely clinging to life uh, and you see the headlights on the road. Uh, again, the audience at this point is just conditioned. Those headlights mean mailman is going to be <laughs> coming. Uh, but instead, a police officer appears out of nowhere. Uh, and uh, again, the way that these scenes are done, where where he's talking to her, okay, it's okay, just settle down, just settle down. What happened? And you see the other girl, the other, the other girl killer, just slowly appear out of nowhere and slit the guy's throat. Uh, it's way creepier to have the audience watching and being like, oh, oh, oh. And, and not even one of these things where it's like, oh, I think I see that, you know? You clearly see as the audience what's about to happen. It's just that anticipation of something's coming, but the characters don't know. I mean, this would be, I think I saw it, you know, obviously it was the last week it was playing in theaters. Uh, so it wasn't like there was a big crowd, but this would be one of these movies where you get that stereotype of people screaming, no, look behind you in a movie theater. Uh, but um, uh, Unless it's a quiet place. In which yeah, exactly. You know what? When theaters open up here, I'm going to do that during all of A Quiet Place Part 2. <laughs> I'm just going to, stop, stop, just scream. Uh, but uh, Or I'll just eat loudly. And both will be equally disturbing. But um, uh, just these slow scares, this is what the movie is made for. Uh, and the girl gets into the police car after this. And we get another great moment where she's just trying to find the keys and you get that slow knock on the window and you see the girl killer there knocking with the keys. And when she starts slowly coming in through the window and slashing, like again, the violent scenes in this movie, they're, they're disturbing without being like scary. They're, they're violent. Uh, but uh, eventually she just grabs a shotgun and she doesn't hesitate like the brother. She just shoots a hole straight through this girl. <laughs> like, I think there's something interesting about the fact that, as you said, it sort of fits the character of, boy that he doesn't kill right away because he's supposed to be the son who has everything together and you know they're sending her off because she's got bad grades or she skipped a couple of classes this is why i say they should have never had that line in the movie and left as a mystery because i like the idea that they think she's going to turn out to be a cold-blooded killer because she has no hesitation to pull the trigger here i feel like that would work a lot better for the character Uh, but here you get the unmasking of the character and again they don't do a big buildup. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, it's just done. And this is where you get the question, which this is very similar to what they did in the end of the first strangers movie where you get, why are you doing this? And the answer is just, so why not? That's the only answer we get in this movie. Uh, I think you quoted it earlier, what the line is in the first movie. I don't even know if you realize you quoted it. I didn't. You were home. I I I think it was something like, because you were home. Yeah. So this is now the, the thing, the strangers movies do what's the answer for why you're doing this why not and because you're home and that's that's kind of why these movies are great no you don't need a reason for anything uh so she ends up killing her with the shotgun and uh this is where the truck comes out of nowhere and smashes in the back of the police car and uh <laughs> you get another cheesy 80s song this uh i i don't know who it's by this uh i'm gonna have to look it up here 
while we're talking here. Uh, but uh, cheesy 80s ballads playing during this huge, you know, killing spree. Uh, and Potato Sack, Mailman here, is the only one left uh, alive now. And uh, I, he just casually pulls up beside her. And you get, again, one of those long shots. By the way, it's Air Supply, Making Love Out of Nothing at All. Great song. Uh, but where he just casually turns to her, just pulling up beside her. Like, again, it, the song playing is just, there's moments in this movie where you almost want to laugh, but you're like, it's actually creepier than it is funny, but it could be done both ways. And um, I, I do love that he crashed into her from behind and the police car all of a sudden stalls. Now, is this one of these, you know, rear engine SUVs or something? Because this car won't start because he hit her from behind. This truck lives through everything here. Literally lives through everything because she blows this up. <laughs> Basically, the gas is leaking. She lights it on fire, blows up the truck, and we see a giant flame. And then the truck just starts driving after again, very slowly. And I, I, I love that we don't see the killer here. That's sort of the last moments of this movie, or one of the last moments. So we get one of the six endings this movie has is just a truck slowly chasing her down as she's running across this bridge. Uh, and the guy comes out. Now I wanted to see him in flames, like. I, every time I watch this movie, I'm hoping, even though I've seen it before, that we are going to get him emerging from the truck and he's engulfed in flames because that makes me laugh because I'm a sick human being. Uh, but it doesn't happen. I don't know how this truck is even running still, let alone the radio is running. But I love that the radio starts dying down here, uh, like as if it's, I don't know, like a cassette tape that's playing really slow. So maybe it's not the radio he's playing because otherwise I don't think a radio, if it starts going, is going to start like dragging like that. Uh, let's say it's cassette or let's say it's eight track. I don't know. The music you're listening to might be eight track, but anyways, he just sort of drops dead as he's like dragging that, that moment where he's dragging the great shot where he's dragging the, um, the ax and it's just sort of slowly falling it from the ground level. I uh, think just collapses in front of her. Uh, she finds another car on the side of the road. And I love the, the, the lady driving the car. It's like, are you okay? As she sees this girl screaming, dripping in blood. I don't know if you need to ask that question. Uh, and, this is where the guy actually comes back. Another ending. <laughs> he's back. He's alive. She's in the back, or she's not even in the back yet. The, the, the mom of this you know, car here and her son just jumps in and leaves this girl here, but she jumps into the back of the truck. We get a bit, a bit of fight as he's clinging on to the back. She finds a baseball bat because that's the only thing that they decide to, they want to carry around in the bed of this truck. And she basically takes his entire head off with one shot. So movie's finally over. Final scene, she's at the hospital. Boy is still alive. She's at the side of his bed. Uh, and just when you think everything's peaceful, she hears the same type of noise, toy noise in the background that there was in the house. She goes to the, uh, the door, doesn't want to open it uh, because she gets scared. We're supposed to assume here that, oh, one of these people is still alive and they found them at the hospital. Movie just ends there. I, I kind of feel like we could have done without it. I mean, they wanted to leave the door open for a sequel in case there was one, but... I could have done without this last scene and just had it where she takes his head off and a movie. Uh, but I mean, again, minor complaints in a slasher movie. Uh, this one, most of it's done expertly. Yeah. I love the callback at the very end. Like it feels not callback, but um, like reference to like the ending is a total reference, not the ending at the hospital, the ending at the truck. Yeah. Total reference to uh, te Texas chainsaw. Um, oh really? I haven't even seen the, that. Yeah. The whole, the, the, one of the big endings of the movie is one of the girls escapes and she climbs in the back of a pickup truck. Uh, I think it's the same color too. 
Mm. And she's like screaming as the killer is behind her and they just drive off. Because why wouldn't uh, you? If, yeah, but I thought it was a fun reference. If not, that that is too intentional to not. <laughs> like that that's too weird that it's that close. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was good. The, the whole like reveal of who this character was. Like I thought it was interesting because he tried to mask, unmask the other girl. Mm-hmm. But like she was still alive. So it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she was the other one was like shotgun shelled to, to the ground. So uh, we get this reveal. And I thought that was good. I think you pointed out that like it wasn't an, like a dun 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 kind of reveal. It was like a subtle thing. It wasn't the whole story. I like that whole thing. And just like it, we get the essence of why they're doing this because essentially. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, my like inter- adding on to complaints that I didn't think about, but um. This movie has like six endings. It does. Like it could have ended <laughs> when she shot the girl and said, "Why are you doing this?" Because it could have ended there. Could have ended when she blew up the the vehicle. Could have ended on the bridge. Could have ended mm-hmm. driving away in the car, and then ended at the hospital. It was just like five endings that could have happened. So that yeah. that's a little frustrating. And that like, it just like never seemed to understand its stopping point. And I think what doesn't work about that, because I'm okay with, oh, we got another ending. Oh, we got another ending. Oh, we got another ending. As long as you keep either topping yourself or it's interesting what you do. The fact is of all six of these endings, the one at the hospital is the least interesting and the most generic. I feel like I would have been okay with six endings as long as you ended on a good one and not the hospital. Yeah, like it's not clue. You can't just add more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny story, it, depending on what country you're in, these scenes were done in different orders. <laughs> Like what if what if there was that kind of ending for a horror movie where it's like, this is what happens if the killer actually wins, or this is who like, um, you know the the girl the girl escapes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a fun movie. I mean, I didn't have to think. I didn't have to take notes really. Like it was just a simple kind of cut and dry thing, which I, I enjoyed. Uh, so I did figure out how to find plot keywords now. So uh, we got plenty of time here left in our sixty minutes. Um, would you want to cover a hit with a golf club month on the Oz network next year, Rossi? Or <laughs> well, we'll get to more, but uh, let me, let me find out what we're going to be talking about. So if we do a hit with a golf club month, we're going to be talking about unhinged with Russell Crowe. That's a good movie. Have you seen that one yet? No, you know what it is though, right? No. Oh, okay. I mean, it's, it's almost, you could almost say it's similar to this, just random acts of violence. But uh, did you ever see the uh, movie with Ben Affleck and uh, Samuel Jackson changing lanes, but like a road rage incident? Oh, you're missing all the good road rage movies. We got a road rage month. Now we've decided. Anyways, Russell Crowe uh, plays this guy that just develops road rage one day and spends his entire day stalking this woman trying to kill her. Um, then we also got Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence and Joel Edgerton. Jamie and I reviewed that movie. It is awful. Uh, I hope I never have to watch it again. Zombieland for Hit with a Golf Club Month. That's not bad. And The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So um, could be an interesting month. I don't know. Uh, there is Throat Slitting Month. Uh, second Part Month. Wow. Uh, there's no Queef Month here. Disappointing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I found one other good one here. What was it? Psycho Month. Uh, Disturbed Individual Month. Uh, let's just go with disturbed interview. Let's go with swimming pool month. What else could we be talking about on swimming pool month? Do you have any guesses, Rossi? Any of your favorite swimming pool movies out there? Well, the only one that I, I've never seen this movie. The only thing that came to mind was It Follows. It Follows. Which is another oh, horror movie. 
Yeah, no, I, I haven't seen that yet, but I've got it on, I think, my Amazon Prime list. So uh, there, there's another, I guess you want to call it horror movie that's on here, The New Mutants. Uh, that has a good pool scene in it. Um, also, Breaking Bad, Stranger Things, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, which we recently covered, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, yeah, we'll skip oh. those. Well, that was a good scene in the pool. Um, I, I've st- oh, yeah, I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood twice already. Yeah, that's a good scene. Uh, I don't know. There's no queef month, so oh well. Uh, I'm not going to do a one-star review this time, um, nor am I going to do a 10-star review. Uh, but uh, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll find one. But I just want to read this one review. We're going to break rules here, and we're going to read a two-star review uh, because I found the best review I have ever seen. Uh, this guy's username on IMDb here is JMO. Q-O-J. I don't even know if that's supposed to be some J Moquo J. I don't know. But the title is What a Load. And the entire review says, Girlfriend made me watch this with her. Now I'm single. That's it. <laughs> uh, it's better than two stars, though. Uh, critically, this movie actually didn't do terrible for a horror movie. It's got 39% of Rotten Tomatoes. I think the original Strangers are like 48%. The thing is, is with these movies, if you're not a fan of this genre, you know, you're not going to get it. I don't think a, a review in a horror movie, a slasher movie really matters. Uh, but for the most part, this it, it's not that far off. I mean, even on IMDb, it's got like a 5.8. The original, I think, is slightly higher than that. Or um, let me, am I got that right here or I have it backwards? Is this one higher? Uh, no, this was a 5.2, and I think the original is like a 5.8. So it it satisfies the fans of the franchise, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> box office. Now, I didn't even realize the first Strangers made as much money as it did. An extremely low-budget slasher movie made $82 million in 2008, which is ridiculous. This one, not nearly as big, but again, for you know a, a slasher movie 10 years later, uh, not bad. It opened with $10 million. Uh, it was number three in its opening weekend. Uh, what did it open against? You asked Rossi. Rossi asks. Rossi, you're asking what that. Did yes. It open against? Oh, what did it open against? Now that you ask, uh, Black Panther in its fourth weekend was still number one with forty million dollars. A Wrinkle in Time was number two with thirty-three million dollars, and then The Strangers Pray at Night with ten million, followed by Red Sparrow, another movie I don't want to ever cover again. Game Night, Peter Rabbit. Death Wish. Other movies that opened that weekend was Hurricane Heist in ninth place. That's a terrible movie. And Gringo in 11th place. Uh, overall box office for uh, Prey at Night is... How much did it make, Rossi, you say? Uh, $31 million worldwide. So a little bit off from the $82 million, but I'm sure it got its budget back. Uh, depending on how much this cost, I don't know. You can also... Uh, how much? Less than the original. How much did this cost, you ask, Rossi? How much did it cost, Colin? $5 million, so it made a profit. Okay. Uh, and no Strangers 3 in the works yet, which is unfortunate. I, I kind of would like to see a Strangers thing. Strangers thing? Stranger, Strangers 3 thing. Or a Stranger <clears throat> Things 3. <clears throat> 4. I'm trying to think how you would do it if the two girls are dead. I'm just trying to think it's, of how... I mean... <laughs> I think the thing with this is that it doesn't even have to be the original killers. It's kind of nice that they brought the original, but there's the question. Are these even the original killers or are they just similar people wearing similar masks? I don't know. Maybe they could like set up a cult like at the beginning, like there's like the, the mailman cult. These, yeah. Like, no, no, it's just the, the three masks like continuously repeated. Yeah. And, uh, like, 
it's like like a, a group you join and, and stuff and and maybe it starts off soft but then it like you know you kill a bunny and then then you're like <laughs> test. I don't know. Oh, I got... we've unlocked a great sequel here. That or my other idea was uh, the children of the original killers. The original, well, the original killers or the original couple? No, the original killers have okay. children who yeah. are now the new killers. The strangers, a new generation. Because <laughs> they can't do a revenge flick with two characters already dead. Like, it yeah. just doesn't I work. mean, maybe three characters dead. We don't even know. Oh, yeah, three. I gotta keep. Well, we're going to. One of them is alive. Otherwise, I don't think we would have. I mean, that last scene, that's one of the things I hate these movies with like, oh, that makes no sense, but we're in there. But if, you know, girl is not imagining things, one of them's still alive. We just have to determine if it's the one who was stabbed, shot, or had his head knocked off. <laughs> I mean, I would think the shotgun girl is dead for sure. Yeah. Maybe the stab. Like, you can't one. survive a shotgun that close. Mm-hmm. Like, it's either the bad stabbings or like, because the guy got up twice. So, like, he might be okay. <laughs> so, so it's I mean his good. head's gonna be like this flopping around in the third movie that that would make and it three even degree burn, third degree burns yeah so. exactly <laughs> yeah we got a good sequel here we, we, I mean think about how long this could go on for because now we have the strangers three which starts with the bunny killings uh they're just stalking a bunch of rabbits and then they move up to uh, I don't know what's the next lowest form of life <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Somebody's going to get angry if we pick, I mean, even a bunny, somebody's going to get angry that we pick the lowest form of life. No, I think we got a good idea there. I want to call it the mailman cult and I want the final movie to reveal they're all a bunch of disgruntled postal workers. That's that's, that's our plot for the strangers thing. Uh, but um, no, there's still chances. I mean, it took 10 years for the first movie to come out. This one was, you know, moderately well received, well received. So I think there's a chance for it. Uh, any other oh, segments that we're missing here? What did we do? I don't do movies, so I have no <laughs> idea. And we skipped it last week. We did plot keywords, uh, reviews. Uh, let me, let me. Now I was going to do a ten-star review, but uh, I'm going to look up a ten-star review because we got time here. We have lots of time. <laughs> Rossi, while I'm looking this up, what was your favorite soundtrack song in this movie? Uh, were the kids in America? All right, there we go. I was going to say that or Total Eclipse of the Heart, but Total Eclipse of the Heart scares me now. I mean, all these songs are going to scare me now. Uh, all right. What is it with movie songs? They did that in Tank to Cloverfield Lane, too. They did, like, yeah. They love playing music. Uh, oh, there's going to be a good one in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, which we're going to be covering next week. <laughs> and a dancing scene to go along with it. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of 10-star reviews for this movie, believe it or not. There's 54 10-star reviews. I'm just going to uh, read a couple of them here. Why is everyone rating the sequel so low, says Pocket Foxy. I almost didn't watch this based on previous user reviews. Woo! They actually wrote, Woo! I am so happy I went with the few that loved it as I did. I thoroughly enjoyed from start to finish. I loved the original and felt the sequel was just as good as the first. Uh, atmospheric and tense tone paced well and some surprises I did not expect that did not happen in the original. Like giving backstories, I guess. Um prod up says terrifying exhilarating and fresh i was excited to revisit the strangers universe if you like but equally i was nervous this that is a terribly written sentence but i was nervous this was going to be a simple cash in job that in truth belongs in the target dvd section gathering dust but very quickly my home entertainment fears evaporated 
and were replaced with gripping fear, electric excitement, and raw anticipation. This guy's got to be a writer. Uh, uh, final one here. Sam Bookhart says, naive teenagers, gratuitous murder, and a bop of a soundtrack. This sequel is much more fun than the original. Totally agree. Rossi, do you want to buy this rent it bin it? I'll um, rent it. Why not? Yeah, I, mean, I, I probably talk here as if I want to buy this. I think that for the last half hour, it's totally worth buying. But there's a reason why every time I watch this, I go through the first 45 minutes, which I still enjoy and think like, eh, it's just sort of generic. I'd agree with you. I think this is a solid rent. I don't own this movie. I do own the original Strangers, uh, which I now think I've actually seen Strangers Pray at Night more than I've seen the original Strangers. But uh, I'm going to agree with you. This is a, this is a good rent. Uh, not a bad rent. It's a good rent. Rossi, next week, a nightmare. Oh, one more thing we got to do. We, we determined that 10 Cloverfield Lane, air quotes, was a good horror sequel. It was both a good horror, in quotes, and good sequel, in quotes. Uh, do any of the quotes matter for The Strangers Pray at Night? I'm going to say it's a good horror sequel because it is subjective. It's a slasher movie. Any objection to that? No, I'm, I'm good. It's I'm good a it's a straight sequel. It's straight horror. As is, I think, next week. Uh, I wouldn't even necessarily call next one a straight horror. I think it could have been, but um, history rewrote that. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Now, when we decided on these movies, I think you suggested a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Uh, I, I think I had had 10 Cloverfield Lane and Strangers in there, and you sort of threw out Doctor Sleep and Nightmare on Elm Street. And you saying Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 got me so excited because... I spent my entire life hearing people say Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 is a terrible movie. And I remembered even when I saw this as a kid thinking, this is the best one. Uh, now, I understand now that I'm older and I've read some of the you know things about this movie, uh, watched the documentaries, listened to the commentaries and realized there are reasons why people mock this movie. That's understandable that I now totally get. But I actually think in a way that makes this movie better. Now, you sort of knew about the stories about this movie, but hadn't seen it. I'm guessing you still haven't seen it. What are you looking forward to and what compelled you to pick a Nightmare on Elm Street part two? I heard, I mean, I know of the like chronology and how it like doesn't fit. Like is this, if you want the like actual story, it's like one, three. And then from there on, mm -hmm. like two has no real merit because it's a different character. You know, the main girl isn't in it. Like, mm -hmm. and that, and then obviously like the, um, I'm very interested to watch it because I know of the like revised uh, subtext of the film. <laughs> yeah. Which is like really now. interested me. And I'm curious to know like, how does, how does that work? Like, cause we don't yeah. have, there are no movies like this. Yeah. Like even nowadays they wouldn't make a movie like this. So I'm just curious to see what it's like. I, I think also the fact that this movie was poorly received when it came out, uh, sort of led them to re almost write this out of existence. You know, they, they changed things and, and Freddy Krueger's uh, depicted in a way in this movie that is not really consistent with the first movie. So this almost could be looked at as like an alternate universe, Freddy Krueger movie, I feel like. Uh, but again, I think there are some, there are some genuinely terrifying things in this movie. And when you know about the subtext <laughs> you're mentioning, there's some genuinely hilarious things in this movie, but also th there's a cleverness when you know, that the screenwriter has now come out and confirmed a lot of stuff about this. You see it a little bit of a different light. So, I mean, I would almost encourage you if you had the chance to watch 
maybe I'll send you the YouTube videos just on the part two if you haven't seen stuff like that already. Knowing the making of this movie is kind of what I want to talk about. So I'm, I'm pumped that we're doing this next week. And great suggestion. I got some random suggestions. Good. <laughs> uh, following that, we're going to wrap it up with Dr. Sleep. And uh, then we'll be moving on to a brand new month. And maybe by the end of this month, we'll have seen A Quiet Place Part 2. I'm hearing it's good. It's making a ton of money. So obviously people are able to go back to theaters, just not me and not Rossi. Um, but maybe. Well, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll bring a review eventually when we see this movie. It may just be six months later what we did with the first one. Uh, anyways, Rossi, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, thank you everybody else for joining us. Uh, stay tuned for our 24 episodes. Plus we have something else coming out next week. Uh, I, I guess I'll just sort of mention it here. Uh, not that it fits in with horror sequels or whatever, but uh, we had uh, an actress, the, the leading lady of season one of 24, Leslie Hope on recently. And she plugged a little movie she made, which she sort of made as her retirement film as an actress as she's moved on to directing Snowpiercer and Lost in Space and all this other big television stuff. Her final acting role she plugged and uh, she was very excited to come back on and talk about this movie so much so that she actually lined up the director and the screenwriter to be uh, on the interview with us. So we got a super interview with actress Leslie Hope, screenwriter Jeff Kober and uh, director Jerry Ciccariti uh, talking about the movie Lie Exposed, a little movie that uh, people should check out as small small, very low budget Canadian movie that actually does look like a million dollars. I got to say, listen to the interview and we'll also give a bit of review on there. That'll become middle of next week. Uh, And then following that um, will be Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 with lots of fun stuff. It's any worse than Corner Gas, so. Oh, come on. You know, Ben watched Corner Gas. I mean, he was living in Canada. He kind of had to watch Corner Gas. And all he could say is like, yeah, that's a funny show, but it is unusual. It is weird. (laughs) I'm like, that's Canadian humor, but Ben got it. So uh, Ben also likes the love guru and wants us to do it on Bad Movie Month so he can argue it's not a bad movie, but that's just Ben. I'll take it. It's a victory. Anyways, uh, stay tuned to the end of the episode here to listen for all of our plugs. Uh, my name is Colin, and I want a slush puppy. And uh, my name is Rossi, and uh, we're the kids in America, except <laughs> Colin's from Canada, so it doesn't really work. We're the kids in Canada. And America. Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.